0: Wall Street is full of corruption, and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumby. Well, guys, this is Steve, The Rogue Scholar. And uh, I don't know if any of you all watched, but yesterday I, I was on a uh, libertarian platform uh, discussing modern monetary theory. At least that was what it was originally supposed to be about. But the debate, discussion, whatever you want to call it, it really wasn't much of a debate about MMT. They weren't, um, they weren't really discussing it. Uh, like you know, is this right? Is this right? It was really more a matter of some moral issue with the idea of the federal government uh, being the currency issuer and the fact that. They had all kinds of screwed up ideas of what central banks do, which is part of the problem with libertarians and leftists in general that don't understand central banking. Um, But what it brought out really very fundamentally was that there are a lot of things that we agree on what the problem is. But once it gets to solution time, you go down the straight line, and instead of being a Y divide where it goes slowly out to a Y, it's like a T divide where it like couldn't be more different. And you know, during the uh, discussion, you know, we 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 talk quite a bit about what should be like. Hey, you know, obviously we left the gold standard uh, during World War II so that we could fight the war. Well, yeah, we we show the power of fiat, right? The power of fiat was that we unleashed the hounds and we could do it and instead of it being always about war machine you know folks in the mmt community are typically trying to say you know we could do some pretty amazing things not war based you know we we could do a lot of really killer stuff no pun intended and and but i just kept thinking about you know my time as a libertarian and talking to them and listening to them and seeing them stuck, basically, in some of the same circular logic that most libertarians find themselves trapped in. And, you know, very nice. There was no nasties on this interview at all. I mean, it was just a very, very cordial conversation. But it brought to mind, I was going to talk a lot, and I'm going to still talk a lot, about the differences and and what the debate was all about and kind of center some of these points for you all who who want a more leftist view of the world and aren't looking to burn it all down and let us go back to the time of warlords and you know my private property you step on it I kill you kind of you know personal property to the extreme which is really a libertarian stronghold. Um but what I found and I'm going to share this with you right now what I found was that Stephanie Kelton has been involved with a, a thing called Paragraph. And Paragraph is a really, it's really quite an impressive platform. In fact, we're going to be doing something very similar to Paragraph here at Real Progressives uh, in the not too far off future. And we're calling it Debate Club. It hasn't really fully come into being, but we're in the process of doing it. Um, in any event, uh, she got engaged in a, uh, a debate in this paragraph format with a gentleman named John Taylor. Now, I can go back to the genesis here, and the genesis of this conversation with John Taylor, he starts out with, according to the latest estimates of Congressional Budget Office, the federal debt is projected to grow from $21 trillion at the end of 2020 to $36 trillion at the end of 2031, or by $15 trillion. CBO projects the debt to GDP ratio to be 106% in 2031, equal to the peak recorded back in 1946 at the end of World War II. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, I'm not, this is not in this, but I want you to know that Japan was running a 300 to 1 debt to GDP ratio, 300%. Okay. So this 100% is really pathetic and it doesn't matter and it's irrelevant, but we'll get into more of that here. Uh, We'll get into more of that here shortly. Um, Let me go ahead and uh, close some of these programs out so they don't keep beeping in my ear. Anyway, so he says, equal to the peak recorded way back in 1946, the end of World War II. It says, basic economic theory and tested empirical models imply that such high federal government debt has a cost. It reduces real GDP growth. This is a lie. In fact, according to CBO's projections, real GDP growth will average 1.6% per year 2026 to 2031 compared to 3.3. Anyway, it says all this stuff and it's all the typical standard shit you would hear from the, the rank and file typical economist that doesn't know their ass from their elbow and says a lot of really silly things. But he goes, yes, critics of fiscal consolidation say there will be negative impacts on GDP, but modern structural economic models that incorporate opportunity costs and all this stuff is about, you know, private businesses doing things, right? Um, you can read this on your own. I wanna to get to Stephanie's response because this is magical what she says, okay? Because he, 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 here's my favorite. Well, let me read the last paragraph here. Another view questioning such a consolidation plan is sometimes called modern monetary theory. To move the resources from one part of the economy to another, controls over prices and wages are often suggested. Thought the basic idea behind this theory is that money could be used to finance the budget deficit. There's no such thing as financing the public deficit. This is where the ignorance comes in. It's ridiculous. Thus avoiding a debt increase. But as the increased inflation over the past year makes clear, such a monetary policy would be inflationary. This guy's an idiot, neo maxi zoomed dweeby, and he's at Stanford. Just to go to show, you don't have to be intelligent to rack up a big-time doctorate at Stanford. But here, history can be a guide. In the 70s, the United States imposed wage and price controls and Federal Reserve helped finance the deficit, listen, help finance the deficit. These people should be literally beaten until they're like in fetal position, shaking and looking up at you, wondering if you're going to continue beating them because this stuff just is insane. This is the reason why people die. The result, a terrible economy with unemployment and inflation rising. Okay. This is where this gets great. And see, Stephanie did an absolutely majestic job on this guy John Taylor. And and she'll probably be far more gracious, far more uh polite, you know, et cetera. But I, I just have zero, zero respect for people like this. I mean, like, like I I literally have so little respect for them, I can't put words in the words to it. But Stephanie handled it majestically. She says, I have participated in numerous debates about the sustainability of US government debt. I did this one, which she has linked here, for the Financial Times, this one for Bloomberg TV, and this one for Monk Debates. Each time, it feels like asking an atheist to debate religion with the Pope. And it's true, this is exactly right. This is like talking economics with a libertarian. And you ask, literally, each time, it's like asking an atheist to debate religion with the Pope. They're coming from some such completely different places, And they have such radically incorrect understandings of the point that they're even talking about that it's like you can't even get to square one with the conversation because nobody in the MMT community would ever say anything as stupid and worthless as finance the deficit. Only the worst of society would say something like finance the deficit. Okay. Only the absolute worst would say something like that. And that's what these neoliberal, neoclassical, new Keynesian uh, Paul Krugman types and, and all the other von Mises and all the rest of them would say. But here's what she says. When someone like Jason Furman, a mainstream Democrat, debates someone like Brian Rydell, a mainstream conservative, the debate works because both sides interrogate the question using a common macroeconomic framework neither questions the legitimacy of the basic question, i.e. how much is too much debt. Both think CBO's forecasts are meaningful. Both embrace the concept of government budget constraint. Both believe that deficits must be financed and that borrowing is the preferred method of financing a budget deficit. And both agree that something must be done to put the debt on a sustainable path. So the debate, such as it is, revolves around defending one's preferred method of stabilizing the debt ratio at some lo- target level it just all boils down to the slowly to slowly the growth of future spending versus accelerating the rate of future tax receipts the, now folks I'm, I'm going to come back here for just a second before I dive deeper into this momentarily I want to just say for the record that when you say finance the deficit. That's saying that the government, and this is where the idiots from the AMI community, positive money community, all these, the Ellen Brown community, all of them, the public banking community, they all fuck this up so badly that it's almost unlistenable, unwatchable. You can't even talk to them almost. It's so bad. They believe that the federal government finances its deficits it's not that it's the currency issuer the dummies believe that it finances its deficits and I want you to understand they think the government is is a slave to the banking system that it owes interest it has to find good interest rates to borrow from this is what the the less informed but super think they know informed but terribly uninformed groups that i just laid out tend to say you don't finance government deficits that's the most ignorant thing a human being could say just about seriously there's very little that you could say that would be more economically illiterate than thinking the federal government finances its deficits so let's go back to this momentarily And she goes, the problem I always face in these debates is that I'm operating from a completely different macro framework. I don't find the CBO's debt projections useful as a point of reference for thinking about fiscal sustainability. Like other MMT scholars, and I'll add activists, I understand that GBC as an ex-post accounting identity, not an ex ante budget constraint. Now, let me tell you what that says right there, okay? What they're saying, What they're saying, what she's saying in particular, is that bonds and things like that are sold after the money is spent. We create the money out of thin air. They sell those bonds because it's legally mandated to sell bonds to offset spending. So they sell these bonds at some interest rate. And why do these big companies and big countries and stuff buy bonds? Well, because it's an absolutely 100% safe investment. It will never not deliver. It's not going to ride up and fall. And if they have a lot of money, just throw it over there and forget about it. One, two, three percent interest on huge amounts of money adds up really freaking quickly, okay? But it's money that we prefund. that we prefund with keystrokes. Didn't come from your tax dollars. It didn't come from anywhere other than keystrokes. And they already knew it was there because they said, we're going to sell a treasury bond into the economy. We're going to sell these bonds and they already have the interest budgeted because it's not a a fluctuating interest. It's an interest that they can predetermine. They know how much it is at the end of the term. So it's not a big deal, but every loser under the sun tries to make it a big deal, but it is not a big deal. Back to the story. So, she says, I see the purpose of bond sales as an ex-post method of providing interest rate support, not an ex ante borrowing operation. And I reject the notion that the so-called money financed deficits, see how the quotes are there, are more inflationary than so-called bond financed deficits. Further. With the abandonment of the gold standard and the shift to paying interest on reserves, I see no compelling reason for continued matching of government deficits with new bond sales. Uh-oh, bond vigilantes are gonna get angry because they like their free money. These differences make engaging the question of how many more trillions can be added to the national debt before triggering a crisis, a difficult one, In the instance In this instance, the challenge is compounded by the fact that Professor Taylor concludes with with an interpretation of MMT that she finds unrecognizable. Now, I want you to understand something. This is super important. When somebody, a bad actor, saunters in, typically a libertarian, got the saunter, they got the cadence, they got the cool guy. They even lean back in the chair to show like they're not bothered by anything. Because they got it going on because you're just talking econ, you know, they just. <sighs> hmm. Right. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? The holier than now, the cooler than the school kind of thing. They come in there, saunter about, and they try and tell you what MMT is. Oh, it's just deficits. Oh, you got to print money. These are the loser, loser. Loser, loser things that people say, okay? Well, Stephanie keeps debunking the living shit out of this, which is just, like I said, just you want to go, do you like it? Do you like it? How do you like it? Do you like it? Because it just gets so tiresome hearing the false representations. And they say it with such swagger and confidence. Magical money tree. Oh, really? Oh, they're just going to print money. We're just gonna print money. You know what I'm talking about? The loser class. These people are say the worst, most ridiculous, unforgivable things. Why? Because if I don't know how to commit to to do knee surgery, I'm not going to sit there and saunter about telling the the surgeon Well, you know, actually, let me tell you about knee surgery.- mm-hmm. um, yeah, Charles so yeah, let me tell you about knee surgery. If you don't fucking know MMT, don't fucking act like you know MMT. Ha, just say, I'm sorry, Stephanie. Can you please describe your theory? Because I don't understand it. (gasps) Ding, ding, ding. That's the moment where you've met someone worthful, right? It's worthful to say, I don't understand. Can you explain? That's worthful. It's worth less. See, worth less when you act like you know and you say something completely ignorant, like you know, and you expect everybody to treat you with kid gloves after you've butchered it that's the problem. Let's get back to the story. So she says, these differences make engaging the questions of how many more trillions can be added to the national debt before triggering a crisis, a difficult one. In this instance, the challenge is compounded by the fact that Professor Taylor concludes his post with an interpretation of MMT that I find unrecognizable. There's the politeness that we know and love. Not my style, not my style at all. For example, anyone with an even passing familiarity with MMT knows that taxes, not wage and price controls, are the means by which resources are moved from one part of the economy private to another public in MMT. Further, the basic idea of MMT is not that money could be used to finance the budget deficit, but that there is no other way for the federal government to spend all government spending is carried out by the crediting of bank accounts with newly created digital dollars so mmt is not advocating printing money to pay for federal spending guys folks 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 do you see this this isn't steve grumbine saying it this isn't steve look look at this i want you to read this let me let we're going to say this 12 times together slowly Some different speeds, maybe in higher voices. So MMT is not advocating printing money to pay for federal spending. It is describing the mechanics of government finance. There is only one way to pay the bills, and it always involves a central bank keystroking new money into existence. Let's read it again. So MMT is not advocating printing money. 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 So MMT is not fucking advocating printing of fucking money to pay for the federal spending. It is describing the mechanics of government finance. There is only one. There can be only one. There is only one way to pay the bills. And it always involves the central bank. Not sometimes, not always involves the central bank. Keystroking, keystroking, keystroking new money into existence. Keystroking money into existence. Keystroking money into existence. existence, Key fucking stroking money into existence. Okay? Professor Taylor closes his post by conflating the Federal Reserve's bond buying program known as quantitative easing with MMT. Oh, my God. How many assholes do this? He thinks MMT is about using central banks to help finance the federal deficit by creating money via QE. How many losers say this shit? For real, folks. How many split-fingered waste people, how many neo Zune dweebies say that MMT is quantitative easing? How many of them do this stupid shit? Let's read it again. Professor Taylor closes his post by conflating the Federal Reserve's bond buying program, known as quantitative easing, QE, with MMT. He thinks MMT is about using central banks to help finance the federal deficit by creating money via QE. This is wrong. It, it, this it, Folks that were following us with the con, there were people in the con that were saying this stuff. It's wrong. It's not true. In fact, MMT economists have been skeptical of QE from the moment it was introduced under Ben Bernanke. Professor Taylor wants us to worry about the federal government debt. He appeals to the authority of the Congressional Budget Office, to the authority of conventional economic theory and models, and to his own interpretation of the relationship between debt and economic growth. I'm not worried. MMT scholars have critiqued CBO's theory models, and we have analyzed the historical data that has been used to defend the proposition that high debt reduces economic growth, like Harvard professors Carmen Reinhart and Ken Rogoff, who popularized this view. I think Professor Taylor is mostly confusing correlation with causation. Now, why did I say, why did I bring this particular one up? Why is this our talking point? Because these are the same exact nonsensical things that libertarians throw at you. See, as as cool as libertarians want to be, they're still falling prey to the same lies about financial fiscal responsibility and where that money comes from, and interest on the debt, and all the shit. They still think we borrow money from China. Borrow- hey, China, hey, China. China. China, 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 China. Can we borrow a few U.S. bucks, please? We're kind of running short. You know, I'm gonna see Tiny Tim? Uh, uh, Sir, would you perhaps by chance, perchance, have perchance some porridge for me, sir? Can I borrow some porridge from China? They don't realize the United States government spends the money into existence, literally, spends it into existence. And then they tax it out of existence. All right. Now, when you're debating with a libertarian, They can be gentle and sweet, and you can be gentle and sweet as well. But the fact is, when push comes to shove, they don't want the federal government involved, period. Period. They don't want government of any kind involved except to enforce their contracts, except to enforce their personal property. So when you get down to it and you ask them, well, what is it that you want? They want to be left the fuck alone, that's it. Okay, so forget any climate crisis, forget any kind of protections for the the poor, forget any kind of cohesive societal building. They want to just be left alone, period. They want to make as much money as they can. But where's this money coming from? Private banks or whatever. They want to snatch up, dig up gold from the ground, whatever. In the end. They want to be able to be the rule makers. They don't want to have to follow anything that society dictates because they call it the tyranny of the masses, the tyranny of the masses. Now, mind you, let me just say this point blank. They are not fans of democracy either, because that leads to tyranny of the masses. Now. They like their private ownership. They like their private property, and they want to be able to dam a river. They want to be able to block the flow of water. They want to be able to say, my property, my rules, my choice, get the fuck off. Okay? I don't know how you build a government or society or anything like that when that is your way of life, when that is your belief system, when that is your fundamental decision right there. That you believe that the individual, no matter what, no matter who dies from it, whatever your private property, you're to stay the fuck off my land, get off my lawn, right? But again, this is very, very important to understand because you go back, and, and we used the Clint Eastwood uh, uh, thing for the, uh, you know, for the promo picture because. Ultimately, that's, the t- that's kind of what they're hearkening for. They want a government so small and feckless that they can ride around with their gun on their hip without anybody saying shit to them. And if you violate their personal property, they want to be able to do whatever they have to do to protect their private property because protecting their private property is more important than anything else, bar none. They're the maker, you're the taker. And they would like to see that structure kept in place, period at all costs. Now I will tell you, we would walk through, we'd go through these things step-by-step step in these conversations. And it'd be like, hey man, I'm against war. And I'm like, me too. And they're like, hey, I'm against, you know, the government screwing up with drugs. Me too, man, let's legalize, I'm with you. Yeah, you know, all these things you start saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden they say, so let's get rid of government and be done with it. And it's like, what, w- what? See, the problem is this, and this is where it gets tricky because a lot of the people on Team Steve are Democrats, unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever. They just happen to be Democrats. And so when you talk about how the Democratic Party feeds that mindset over there, when you talk about how they're means testing for student debt elimination, they're means testing for things, how they get into identity politics, and all, it just fuels libertarians like it's going out of style, man. It's like, hey, we ain't got. Hey, guys, we're missing our quota on libertarians. We need about two hundred more. Can you make them? Sure. A Democrat's about to speak. No problem, Steve. We got it, buddy. We'll create you two hundred more libertarians real quick. And then some neo-Maxis in Juevi will go, "You're always shitting on the Democrats, Steve." I'm like, well, nobody's pressured me to try and vote red, no matter who. No loser has tried to push me to vote red, no matter who. Hey, vote red no matter who. Nobody's ever done that to me. I've never had anyone say you must vote Republican because I wouldn't vote Republican. I did. I tried it out. It was the Diet Coke of evil. Okay. It sucked. Get away from me. Right. But the Democrats are supposed to be the good guys. Right. Isn't that what we've convinced ourselves? Isn't that what we tell everybody the Democrats are the good guys? That we, So I look at this and I say, I, I, I'm not voting Republican you ain't got to worry about that. I'm looking for a leftist party. And I, so you're telling me that my place, the only choice, there is no other choice. It's just the Democrat. That's what you're telling me. So I look at the Democrats and I see them out there championing deficit reduction, literally championing right-wing economics. And you're telling me, but Steve, what do you want, a Republican? I just said, fuck no, I don't want a Republican. But paternalists, people that are protectors of the, the order, come at you and say, you're being divisive talking badly about Democrats. You're being divisive. You're being divisive, Steve. And I'm not having it. I'm not having it, damn you. I'm not having it. And I'm like say, well, you're never going to fix your party that you love so goddamn much until you wake the fuck up and shake them up and break them up and break the structure up. Okay. until you get them to wake up. I'm not joking. There are countless Democrats celebrating Biden reducing the deficit, $1.3 trillion, the largest number ever done. If you understand MMT, you know that $1.3 trillion was drained out the bottom of the tub. Gone. So the tub was up here, and now it's... Way down here. And people are getting hired, but they're getting hired at shit jobs with shit wages, okay? We're still in a gig economy. Nothing good is happening. This isn't me making it up. I'm looking at, like, if I didn't know it was a Democrat, and I didn't know it was a Republican, and I was just looking at the economics, nine times out of ten, I couldn't tell if it was a Republican or a Democrat that was driving the ship. I'm not joking. And for you untrained eyes out there that get all, when you do that, okay, it doesn't do well for you. It's a bad look, okay? It's a bad look to be taking a guy that's looking at the economics and saying, God bless, this is fucked up. And then you come back, but what about Republicans? Well, show me a third party and I'll vote for them. That's not the point. You know, when your child fucks up, when your child fucks up, I see bad parents, and yes, I'm gonna use the word bad parents, that sit there and go, well, Johnny's a good boy, he's just misunderstood, okay? Defend, 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 defend. Vote blue no matter who. Vote for summer. Vote for Pedro. You know, whatever, right? Oh, Johnny's a good boy. You just got it wrong. Okay. And then Johnny gets the wrong message because what Johnny did was wrong. What the parent really didn't like was being called out in the way they were. And that's a fair complaint. Go say, hey, listen, let's just talk mano a mano. You ain't got to shame my kid. All right, I'll fix the kid at home. I'll talk to him. I'll, I'll, I'll train them up in the ways, so to speak. We But you didn't, you didn't like being called out in public. Okay, I get that. And that's a fair statement. There's a way to handle that stuff. But when it comes to Democrats, they walk around peacock, to your proud peacock chest. Yeah, yes, then do it, right? We get the other girls in the downward dog position. You know, I'm the yoga instructor, right? They, they get everybody all riled up thinking that this is the way to do it. And then all the your proud peacock chest, right? they're going to they're going to tell you the democrats are the the adults in the room and it takes a democrat to fix the economy and the democrat is going you know, to you know it always takes a democrat democrats fix everything right and so everything goes away this is my problem when we voted biden into office because we had a common enemy we all were like fuck this shit right But now you've got three quarters of the so-called left, the center left, et cetera, that went back to brunch. Three fourths easy. Checked out, went back. You know, went back to brunch. There's nobody pushing for Medicare for all, save for the the crazy people like myself and others that will be out there marching on July 30th in Washington, D.C., To talk about medicare for all there's very few people really really meaningfully talking about it and then the people that are talking about like student debt room they're like oh 25 billion for 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 corinthian colleges yay joe yay joe you know golf club you know whatever they're yay so we lost Three quarters of the army we had when we were out of power. When we were out of power, we behaved like activists fighting for something. Once we took power again, what did we do? We went back to sleep. Joe's got a sleepy Joe's got. He's gonna do just fine, man. He's gonna do just fine. But look, Joe Biden hasn't used any of his executive order power that he could have done. He could have gotten rid of all student debt if he really wanted to, but he doesn't. Why is that? Because he's a Republican, folks. He is the same mindset that brings us back to Kelton's exchange with this guy. This guy's a rank-and-file, typical Democrat kind of guy. Straight, typical Democrat kind of guy. Ah, we got to finance deficits, and eventually we got to pay them back, because, you know, eventually we don't want to pass that on to our children or our grandchildren. Sounds like Sarah Palin, doesn't it? But you voted for that Democrat. And you shamed everyone else for not voting blue, no matter who. But you got a Democrat with a Republican ideology and a Republican belief system and a Republican economic understanding. And they're out there fattening Wall Street while fucking you and your family. So it's just not when I attack Democrats, it's because there's no chance in hell I'm going to become a Republican. And I really don't wanna be stuck being a Democrat either, but because of worthless centrists and Addie Barkin, who I'll continue to call out by name, celebrating the elimination of the Green Party. Oh my God, hold on one second. I'm gonna talk about this real quick, because this is super important right here. Jesse Ventura is a libertarian. He is not a leftist, he's not a progressive. He doesn't have leftists, he doesn't understand economics, all the stuff I've talked about here, just so we know. He is not a friend of MMT. He's not a friend of knowledgeable economics. He's got all the same dumb ideas, all the same dumb ideas that libertarians have, all the same dumb ideas that so many uninformed people have. And so Jesse, the body Ventura, okay, ends up getting these weird leftist credentials. And he's not a leftist at all. He's anti-war, okay, great. But what happens? And this is why I keep saying austerity is murder. Every time some chucklehead goes out there and talks about the national debt, every time some loser goes out there and worries about deficit spending, and the deficit got to reduce the deficit, Every single time someone does that, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Your favorite Green Party person that thinks that we're in debt to the Federal Reserve because they've been drinking that fucking conspiracy bullshit, okay? Every time you suckle into that community and you allow that idiocy to gain life and get out of the darkness where it belongs, it belongs in the fucking shadows of, just out of the way, man. These kind of moronic, ignorant, economic takes have no basis, no purpose, no value to society. They are loser mindset and they kill us all. Okay. So my mom and dad, well, dad, I'm sorry. I I, I love you. I wish you'd come back, but you're not. I miss you big time more than you'll ever know, Bob. Love you. Keep heaven ready for me. But I can't talk to my parents. Can't talk to my brother about this stuff. I can't talk to pretty much anybody. You're stuck in a very, very small group of people because the average person is so sure they know what the hell they're talking about, but they don't know diddly dink. And, 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 and you're stuck playing these games. And so this is what I'm saying. When you're dealing with a libertarian, you are not able to have a straight mono a mono conversation. They don't agree on anything. They don't agree on reality. It's like, I hold something up, this thing is black. No, Steve, actually, it's not. Actually, it's carbonite color, it's carbon black. It's, it's not black, Steve. Steve, it's actually titanium, blah, 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 or something else. It's, it's like, what? The what? It's like, hey man, if I trim trim the bush, I gain an optical inch, does that mean it's now big? And he's like, no, dude, sorry, it's still small. You just got rid of the hair hiding a little teeny bit away, right? Oh, shit, damn. Genetics got me again, right? You can't have a straight conversation with people. You cannot have a straight conversation with people because they don't have a common base. And they're too proud, tired, bored, not very smart, whatever to actually do the underlying research, the work that needs to be done to get smart, okay? And so they just ignore what you have to say and they keep parroting the same. Well, they're just saying they're printing money, dude. Oh, what are you gonna do? Quantitative ease that all the central banks are funding these wars? What are you talking about? The central bank creates money when Congress authorizes it to. And not a nickel more. The central bank, if you're asking the central bank to control the economy, let me show you what the central bank can do. Just like Kelton said in her write-up, they can control interest rates. That's where the bond stuff comes in. So they set the interest rate to 5%, whatever. Telling them that they're controlling the economy is like giving them a child's steering wheel in the backseat of a car and say, get us to Ocean City, baby. Let's do it. They're controlling interest rates on bond sales and, and and the inner the overnight rate and stuff for money. It, it it matriculates out from from banks and reserves, in the system, and paying interest on reserves in the system, and and then borrowing, which cascades out to bank lending, which then cascades out to our purchasing power, which then cascades out to laying people off, which then cascades into recessions and depressions. Which then cascades into suicides. And guess what comes on the heels of this every time, folks? Guess what comes? War. Why does war come? Because war is the one place that every Neo Maxi loser zoom dweeby goes for to fatten the economy once again. Oh my God, the economy's stuck. Hey! Get the military industrial complex ramped up. We're going to get ourselves some bombs. Hey, fire up them airplanes everywhere. We're going to make ourselves some chairs and bombs and and seat and cockpits. Cockpits, David. We're going to make cockpits. Okay? So ultimately, this is the stuff, the insanity. Because War is brought on nine times out of 10 by austerity because they've talked themselves The only reason you have austerity is because you believe we can't afford to pay for people to have health care. You believe we can't afford to do any of these things. You can't afford to provide school to everyone. You can't provide school lunches to children. You can't provide college. Why? Because we're broke. We're broke. We got to finance deficits. Oh my God, we're going to go broke. What the fuck? When does the national debt become a crisis? And at the end of the day, if you're MMT informed, you look at people like that and you go like this, you go, tell me more of this fairy tale. Tell me more of this uh, acid trip you were on. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Straight jacket for Johnny over here. Give him some Thorazine. No, no, no sharps and meds at 12 and two. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really the unfortunate fact. This is so important, so ridiculously important that we have got to be, dare I say, militant and not giving a quarter inch, not giving a millimeter on this discussion point. We cannot give an eighth of an inch, a hundredth of an inch. We can't give a nanometer. We can't give anything. We must stay on point and drive this point home. Because if you don't fix this, I'm telling you right now, there was one girl, a uh, buddy of mine, Kami John, put a post out there about the debate I was having yesterday. And this Kami girl, she Kami something or other, uh, comes out and says, don't tag me in any of more of this MMT stuff. I went to Marxist.org and they said MMT is a PSYOP, a PSYOP. Idiots to the left of me and idiots to the right. Ain't got no time to teach them all that I won't give up this fight because I'm Stevie G. Hey, hey, right? Something like that. Nah, Whatever. I'm free in there, guy. <sighs> we are surrounded absolutely surrounded by people that have been propagandized lied to and they believe it and worse they go to these drum drum lines drum ceremonies and they talk yeah let me tell you about the federal reserve man the only thing federal about it is names. name this is about as federal as the federal express man i'm so cool past the uh you know past the duchy man past the extreme micro-brew the skinny latte, you know, fair, fair, fair um, sourced, right? We are stuck. And until we break this log jam, until we break this misconception of money, until we break this, uh, this paradigm, until we shatter it, destroy it, render it obsolete, We're going to be ruled, unfortunately, by this. And I want to say something. I love Karl Marx. Love Karl Marx. Love Engels. I read these guys all the time. I read Lenin like all the time. I read all kinds of materials, but I impose a MMT framework because MMT is a modern fiat economy. And as you can see, we can't even get the most basic bills passed by this Congress or by this government. it's been this way for a long time. It's going to require something other than going to the ballot box to change it because you've already done that for your whole life. Your entire life, you've gone to the ballot box, doing things, trying to win this game through the ballot. Democratic Party won a court battle in Florida back during the 2016 election where they don't have to run a free and fair primary. They don't have to select a winner based on your vote. They don't have to even choose, they don't even have to conduct a primary if they don't want to. They can select whoever they want to be their candidate. Period. You know what I'm saying? So the idea that somehow or another you're going to vote your way to the finish line on this, when they keep putting Debbie Wasserman Schultz types up ahead of people with progressive credentials, and even the progressive folks, even the progressive candidates that we keep putting up there are MMT illiterates. There's some out there that think we're going to finance. They think we're going to finance a Green New Deal with a network of public banks. I swear to God, you can't make it up. You cannot make it up. They have so little understanding of the way the monetary system works. This is what they've been reduced to, coming up with this kind of crankery. So remember, I'm going to bring it back up one more time so you can see this, because this right here is the, the, the kill shot, the winning shot right here. She's like, here it is. Where is it? I'm sorry, I'm I'm screwing this up here. Okay, these differences make engaging the question of how many trillions can be added to the national debt before triggering a crisis, a difficult one. In other words, what she's saying, and she said it so much more eloquently up here, but it's like the debate, their debate, the, the classical people debates work because neither side get it. They don't get it. So they all operate from a from a fairy tale logic. So ultimately, it it revolves around defending one's preferred method, as opposed to understanding how the system actually works. So I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, okay, I don't know what this COD piece is, but you guys, here's the link to this. You guys can find the COD piece that Jonathan's throwing at you. I haven't got a clue, but I'll put it into the chat here. (laughs) Ultimately, it's really important to understand that unless we get serious, we organize, we do direct action, we talk to one another, we teach one another, we build chapters, we teach each other in our local chapters, we do local uh, work. We're never going to get past this. And it's so important. It's not even funny, because if if, if what we're saying is wrong, and it's not, by the way, but if what we're saying is wrong, you're ruled by right-wing economics you're ruled by the scarcity narrative that says you should have made better choices you're ruled by that your entire existence will be based on that and we will not be able to address climate crisis we will not be able to address college we will not be able to address any of the meaningful things that we need to do with reparations green new deal anything zero nothing There is no progressive leftist agenda without an MMT understanding. And anybody that acts like this is irrelevant is part of the problem, period. There's no other excuse around it. They are part of the problem. Now, tonight, tonight there is, and I'm gonna screw this up. Jonathan could probably tell you this. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up because I think somebody messaged me this last night. But tonight, tonight let's see if i can find it here we go ah uh, where the f is it oh trivia night it's trivia night gang so trivia night at 8 p.m. eastern time 5 pacific to register go to m4m4all.org tell them uh, they can google march for medicare for all to find them oh that wasn't supposed to be read that's just my notes to me <laughs> Please encourage folks to go, be there. Right. Be there. M4M4all.org and sign up for uh, this this fun night. Hopefully uh, you'll enjoy yourself. You'll learn something. And uh, with that, folks, I'm sorry. Hopefully I wasn't too over the top. And if I was good, then that means you got some enjoyment out of it, hopefully. And with that, I really did enjoy talking to the libertarians yesterday. They were very kind to me. Um, We disagree on just about everything, but they were gentlemen's and I appreciated uh, their time. I appreciated my buddy, Phil Armstrong from the UK, who also came in after me. Um, And, uh, you know, that's it. Anyway, I am out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash real progressives.